0: Vegas Bad Boys of Podcasting presents The DeFalco Files with FSW owner Joe DeFalco
1: and your host Matt Michaels. Hey everybody, it's Matt Michaels here on The DeFalco Files with the owner and creator of FSW, the future stars of wrestling here in Las Vegas, Mr. Joe DeFalco, Joe we're just having a little conversation uh, before we start talking FSW. Um, give the give the listeners thoughts on um, what you've been observing with the uh, craziness going on in AEW right now.
0: Well, it's funny. Usually we would come on and it's like, hey, we had a show on Sunday, and you know it it had Chris Bay and a lot of interesting things happen, but it's like the insanity of what's been going on in AEW really came to a head uh, from this alleged brawl that initially it's like, oh, okay, Punk saying this in a setting right after the show. It's got to be a work, but it's like, man, he's sure bashing Colt Cabana fucking viciously. And it's like, you know, then it's like, well, if we're going to see uh, the, the, The Second City Saints, Colt Kamana, Ace Steel, and uh, CM Punk challenge for the uh, Trios title. Boy, you know, it'll be interesting. But it's like, this is just like out of control. Like, we know uh, Ace Steel pretty well. Uh, When we were doing Vegas stream back in the day, my guy Pete from Chicago actually, you know, trained with those guys a bit. That whole crew you sure. know and he stayed really tight with Ace Steel and Ace came to Vegas and and wrestled a couple matches against Bison Smith who he respected and liked very very much you know and I would see Ace around he was always at the uh, CAC shows right uh, at the convention and we'd always talk and chat and you know it's funny I I, I hit up Pete yesterday and I was talking about the incident because it said A. Steel bit Kenny Omega, and he was like, well, I know Ace, and he doesn't fight fair. He's a biter. So, you know, he, if, if it's a work, it's going deep to guys that haven't really seen or talked with the guys for years, you know.
1: Oh, man. Uh, you know, so put yourself in the shoes of – Oh, God, I hate to say it, but put yourself in the shoes of Tony Khan. What do you do as Joe DeFalco if you were in that position where this was your company? How do you deal with – and obviously we've talked you know, over a couple of years here about instances of you know guys not getting along, stuff going on backstage, conflicts, uh, people coming to you, you having to go people, et cetera we know that there's a lot of pressure, you know, just on the independent level, but what would you do if you're looking at the national competitor or or so they call themselves to the WWE, the biggest brand out there, how do you resolve this? And what the hell is next for, you know, how do you go forward considering you have a live program in two days?
0: Well, first off, you know, it seems like what CM Punk said, you know, has uh, a bunch of truth to it. But what I don't understand is how this gets all leaked out at an after event press conference. You know, it's like if there's issues, why aren't we just handling it in house? You know, and it's like, yeah, you could take a shot uh, at the Young Bucks all you want. Yeah, they, they, they aren't even qualified to manage a target. Well, bottom line is they're wrestlers. They're not, they, they, you know, they didn't grow up like Nick Khan, not Tony Khan, but Nick Khan, who's been, you know, a, a managerial figure in, in the business world, Right. you know, and it's like, you're sure exposing a lot of dirty laundry that doesn't benefit anyone. As I was saying to you, it's like, okay, when you first watch it, it's wrestling. This has got to be a fucking work. You know, it's, it's a press conference after the guy just won the championship and he's making these comments that in reality, you know, Steel all of a sudden becomes a guy that's actually on TV, you know, with the motivational what? promo and right. it's like, man, if you knew the relationship with Punk and Cabana wasn't so bad, it's like they must have made up, man. This is like the makings of a, of this big six person feud, because that's what your your mind is led to believe. Like if it's in the real world, or even the fake world of Hollywood, you believe. You know how many people believe that? Oh, it was a work. Will Smith smacked the shit out of at a Chris Rock, and it's like. Okay, what is the benefit? Like, Will Smith's considered one of the biggest actors in the world. How does that help his career? You know? And, of course, as time has passed, we've seen, well, I guess it it wasn't a work. And that's what happens. Wrestling fans always look at this has to be a work until it's kind of proven otherwise. And then so much time has passed, it's not even brought up. You know what I mean? And... If this is reality of what's going on in AEW, man, that that that's worse than what was going on in WCW. Yeah. Like you're telling me he had this press conference, went to the locker room, and the guys he badmouthed came out, and it's like, okay, also, no offense. I'm not too sure celebrity boxing would uh really care to see the Young Bucks uh or, or Kenny Omega versus CM Punk. Like, you know, you know, we heard Teddy Hart beat the shit out of CM Punk. You know what I mean? It's like, I, I really don't believe, uh, you know, the Young Bucks have this great, you know, fighting prowess, you know, growing up in the mean streets of Victorville. You know what I mean? So it, it's kind of this whole crazy situation. And the thing is, Everybody has their favorite people. Everybody has friends. So what Adam Page had said in the past, like, I don't take advice from veterans because he basically knows it all. It's like, okay, you can believe that, but it's a fucking moronic statement. Yep. Like, you don't know everything. You're not that great you put, you got to put yourself in a position. See, my mindset is I'm not an Adam Page fan. And people will say, hey, Joe, why, why are you not an Adam Page fan? Because I remember five years ago, maybe, uh, there was a Ring of Honor anniversary show that we were a part of that they did at the uh, Orleans Ballroom. And Adam Page and Jimmy Jacobs was getting their win uh, in a pre-show match, and it was against the Reno Scum. And the Reno scum, who at the time had been working in FSW for a long time, they were still consistently a part of it, and they got a huge response from the Ring of Honor fans. And I was sitting there watching the match, and I was just like, wow. I'm watching both Jimmy Jacobs and Adam Page, not no sell, but really no sell everything the scum was doing because I was personally surprised how much offense they were giving the scum in the match. And it just seemed like these two guys were extremely uncomfortable with the fact that these unknown guys, but that were known in Vegas who were getting a lot of love, they they didn't really want to seem to do business in that way. And that has always been my thoughts Of Adam Page as he grew in Ring of Honor and he became a bigger deal. And then they were talking about him going to, you know, AEW and then making him the champion. Now, that could be my bias. My bias is I saw what they did and I didn't think it was professional. I could be 100% wrong. But wrestling is perception. My perception is that those motherfuckers were sandbagging. Yeah. Reno scum. And I've, I've dealt with Jimmy Jacobs, you know, on numerous occasions since. Always been cordial. We've gotten along well. But that one instance is something that I won't forget because I watched Jimmy Jacobs wrestle Remy Marcel at our anniversary show, and none of that came out in the match of him being like, oh, I'm not going to do this. You know, he put over Remy Marcel as a chap. So, you know, I could look at it as, you know what? Maybe it was a bad day. Maybe I need to drop it. But that's going to be my forever perception because I've never dealt with Adam Page other than that one incident. I dealt with Jimmy Jacobs on a few different occasions and never had an issue. So it's a little easier to be forgiving of somebody. You know, I've heard from other guys, and they weren't exactly happy with the impact tryout. They felt that uh, he really wasn't engaged in it, and they felt that they paid good money to be looked at. So, again, those people have assumptions of because the way they were dealt with or the way they felt, you know, they were treated at this event. So everybody's going to have their own, you know personal experiences and, you know, in the AEW thing, I I just shake my head, you know, because I have talked to the Brian cages and the Lance Hoyts and and all the guys that I know and and just talking about, you know, certain things that are going on and, you know, my, my, my get from that is there's a lot of kind of weird things going on. You know, and, and we even see it like they go out of their way, and make a big deal, and sign Hoyt and Miro and Cage. And you know, the the term is you know, they got put back in a box for the new toy. And, yeah. and it's unfortunate. And you know, at this point, if Tony Khan there's new people that are running Warner Brothers and, and you know, T N T who didn't forge a personal relationship with him when they were getting everything set. And again, money is the bottom line. You know, right. if AEW is losing money and they can lose the time slot, and then they're going to pay more money, I, I guarantee you, you know, Warner brothers will take any money because they canceled movies that they spent $80 million on okay. and not, not to air it. So if they're paying X amount of dollars, you know, Again, we don't know the inner workings of the contracts, but from what I understand, AEW bought the time. And the, our idea of getting it back is through the sponsorships and, and, and doing all the other stuff. That, of course, you know, TNT is partially responsible and, and, and helps in trying to lead the advertisers, you know, into their spot. But bottom line is it's it's AEW's job to get that big money to come rolling in and then they're not in they're not like WWE so we don't know the bottom line. You know there's always assumptions and this did that and we heard, but there's right. no concrete numbers to say, man, these motherfuckers are putting out shit tons of money with all these guys that they're paying and not even using.
1: You know, well, their roster is like uh, along, yeah along those lines let me ask you because that was one of the things you know we kind of uh, we talked about this a little bit uh, beforehand too is tony's statement comparing himself to jim crockett promotions but that all started with a question that was simply asked to him about the pay-per-view buys and how it didn't seem like the pay-per-view buys were as high for this event as prior events and he got super defensive um what I mean, again, as a promoter and you're trying to, like you said, put your best foot forward to get people to watch your product, to get advertisers buy into your product because the money is the bottom line. What would you do as a promoter when you are asked those kind of questions about, you know, the pay-per-view buys, about the viewership, about, you know, things that do actually means something, but instead of, you know, giving an explanation or an honest answer, it becomes combative to the sense of, you know, Hey man, uh, there were, and this is another thing that blows my mind. There were two pay-per-views. We've never dealt with this kind of thing, head to head, et cetera, et cetera. However, Saturday was the WWE pay-per-view, so they weren't head-to-head there, and NXT was at 1 p.m., so it was before them, and those were both on Peacock, where you're either paying 5 or $10 for the subscription, and you get those, and you can watch those anytime. So in essence, there wasn't a direct competition, and yet he kind of used that as an excuse for lower pay-per-view buys. I mean does any of that as a promoter as a businessman does any of that stuff add up in your head to the difference between the reality of what's going on becoming defensive or the reality of what's going on and spinning that into a positive light so that you're still selling your brand without just kind of you know pulling at the string and watching the whole thing unravel
0: Well, in FSW's existence, you know, whenever shows did worse than others, everybody else was always trying to make excuses as to why. Oh, it's football season. You know, we don't draw during the football season. Oh, the Golden Knights got a game. Oh, UFC's running today. Bottom line is there's always something going on. Right. There's plenty of shows we've done that have been up against stiff competition, as you can say, in town. And we've done extremely well. We have run against NASCAR and done good. And we've run against NASCAR and didn't do as good. I prefer not to run against EDC with 100,000 people. I prefer not to run a lot of different events if we can't if the ability is not to run against nfl football we won't but it's cost effective for us to do it so we used to run a lot more sunday shows in the off season we still do them oh there's another company running in town well back in the day when adrenaline or somebody was running who gives a fuck if we have the date we have the date it doesn't make sense to run against new japan or you know right. yeah so we ran against aew we ran against wwe we were just smart enough to do a noon show with gcw that was the day of SummerSlam, and the draw was fantastic yeah. and then the next year we did it aew weekend and aew had their fan fest during sammy's show that did okay uh Rampage was going on in the afternoon and ended a little bit before our show with Sammy. It did okay. Nowhere near what a Mecca would do when right. we're running against nobody. You know, we got Cross, we got Jacob Fatu, we got TJ, Davy Richards, Hammerstone, we have all these guys, and we draw. And then there's times like if you don't think I was disappointed that we didn't pack the Silver Nugget for FSW Revolver, which that whole weekend was the best show in there. But GCW has by far the best draw. But also, GCW had the best time slot. They got to run Saturday night when nothing was going on. We had a run with Rampage in the background. Sammy Callahan ran when the Fan Fest for them were going on. So... Would we have drawn 850 people like GCW? No, but we would have definitely drawn more. How much more? I don't know. It's like you can't make excuses. You know, there's enough data. There's enough information. It's like all of a sudden you're going to tell me because WWE ran a show that weekend. That was the cause. You know, the most fans are polar opposites. If you... You know, I love that AW, fuck WWE, they suck now. And it's like, okay, I, I have issues with both companies. I think with Triple H there, there there's a, a, a ray of hope, like there's going to be a turnaround. You know, if six months down the line, you know, Drew McIntyre and Roman Reigns are still feuding, well then... It's adding newer people, Braun Strowman, Karrion Cross, having uh, Seth on the show, Dexter Loomis, whatever. But if everybody's fighting the same people over and over and over and over and over again, it, it's not going to matter. You know, it's right. just different faces in the same spots. So now Karrion Cross and uh, Drew McIntyre are going to go at it for six months instead of Matt Riddle and, you know, Seth Rollins going at it for six months. After a mm. while, it gets tiresome.
1: Really quick, on that note, and, you know, AEW fans, the the diehards who don't like the WWE because of that reason, then what message does it send to them that MJF comes back and immediately is looking to be put into a feud with Punk, which we already saw just, just months ago, and it concluded... Uh, is it then you know how do you how can you say that your company is different and yet you're doing the exact same type of things
0: you know the, the one issue you know I, I like reading with you know again i'm not the biggest vince russo fan but i take what vince russo says i take what jim Cornette says you right. know a lot of what they say is accurate you know they have different philosophies of modern-day wrestling. So sometimes they say some absurd shit that you can't believe. Disco, you know, same thing. But there's a lot of truth into the rumors you, or, or, or the statements. You know, when Disco Inferno makes a statement and it's like, oh, you know, you're a goof and people made fun of you and you're only in there because the boys like you, that's making an excuse for why the guy had a 15- or 20-year career. So management decided to keep Disco Inferno around because uh, Big Show had a laugh at him because that was their reasoning to keep somebody. Right. You you know what I mean? And it's like, we know firsthand because if you ask a lot of people who were around when Disco Inferno was the trainer, they loved working with Disco. And Disco wasn't the most outgoing personality. If he knew you, It was fine. I've had wonderful conversations with Disco. There were students who felt that, you know, Disco didn't give them the time of day. But they were also the same guys who didn't walk up to him, come to his classes. Hey, you know, Glenn, nice to meet you. You know, appreciate you helping me. Like, he was supposed to go out of his way for them. Yeah, And, you know, that's that modern-day mentality. You know, I remember we had Jimmy Superfly Snooker at the show. And, like... They're not walking up to him. Hello, sir. Nice to meet you. Hey, would you like my seat? No, they're in a group of five conversating. They're new students who've never had more than like three matches. And they're in their own fucking world. And, you know, or it's Tommy Dreamer or Luke Hawks. And, you know, when they're talking in the seminar, they're being truthful of what they feel. And unfortunately, sometimes, uh, let's just say they're not very kind as to what they're seeing from some of the participants in there. And then, of course, you know, they get offended and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I remember Luke Hawks telling me, you know, I got a little pet peeve, you know, one of you boys. And it was Santana Jackson, for example. And it was like. You know, I'm the one who told him to continue to be the Santana Jackson character instead of, you know, Joe Jackson and professional wrestler. And after talking with Luke, he didn't really understand. He only seen what he seen, you know. And again, I'm, I was the first person who to squawk and yap at Santana to get in the ring more. You know, he does some of the coolest things with the Michael Jackson stuff you'll ever see. But there's also a lot of other stuff that goes on in a match that he needed to get better at. And, you know, it's cool to rely on. Hey, he did the moonwalk DDT, and then we did the other move that we had talked about. I forgot what I called the name. Then he incorporated, like, in the bad video, except he climbed the top rope, snapping the finger, into an arm drag, or whatever it was. looks looked super. But his lockup was the shits. The the basic stuff was the shits. It's like you're going to get booked because of your gimmick once. And there's going to be people who like you that will book you again. Make yourself in demand. Be good enough that if people don't know who Michael Jackson was, which is rare, but for the people who don't, you know, go out there and also be a respectable professional wrestler – Instead of a comedy gimmick. Right. You know, you can incorporate the comedy, but don't just be a comedy guy. Because he can do some really athletic things. So do more. Make yourself valuable. You know, he was in a position when guys would book him that he wasn't getting 20 bucks. Or, hey, we're just going to try you out. Come to Arizona. Come to California. You've got this gimmick. To where you're able to get an extra 50, 75, 100 bucks because you're this character that because you did an FSW show, you got five, 10 million people that viral video watching him do the moonwalk DDT and everybody knew who he was. And Kevin Matthews booked him, you know, against Pat Buck at WrestleMania weekend and flew him to New York. Didn't pay him very much, but he got spotlighted. And, you know, that's what's necessary in the business. You know, the more people watch AEW and see Tony Khan, like he's going off about things. And I saw somebody post on Facebook and it was like, imagine, you know, everything that happened at the show and the main the main drama coming out of the night is you talking about how much more money you got than Jim Cornette. And everybody looks at that as a bad thing. The problem is, I believe Tony Khan looks at it as a good thing. Hey, look at. Look at all the media I got for what I said. Because, you know, especially in wrestling, hey, good, good, good. You know, bad publicity is better than no publicity at all. Yeah. When you're coming across as a lunatic and then all of a sudden, supposedly after your biggest pay-per-view that you do of the year, there's this fight that went on that supposedly your agent, was hitting people with chairs and biting people, and your executive vice presidents were throwing blows at the new heavyweight champion. You know, imagine WrestleMania, and what comes out of Roman Reigns and The Rock is that Happy Corbin was pissed off and he got into a fistfight with The Rock. Guess what? We wouldn't really probably know about it, and we would wonder why Happy Corbin was fired that night.
1: Yeah. Yeah, well, and and to top it off, you know, they they had the Castle show at Cardiff uh, on Saturday night, and they ran a press conference after that show, and if you play those side by side, you see the absolute difference between the WWE brand and AEW's money. That's like the difference. It's like you have something that is professional and then you have something that is, I got a lot of money and we're just throwing everything out there. And it's just, it's, it's just stark contrast that the WWE would run that, uh, you know, and, and Hunter used to do uh post, uh, you know, post, uh, you know, media sessions after NXT shows. So, obviously, he's incorporating that now into what they're doing. But it's it's night and day. And
0: on well, those what parts- you need to look at it, is this thing with Tony Khan. It's like, what does the average person hate more than people with money? They hate people with money who talk about how much money they have. And what they can do because of that money that makes them believe that they can do whatever the fuck they want. So the average person is like, fuck this motherfucker. You know, just because he's rich, he can do whatever he wants, which already puts the bad taste in, in, in somebody's mouth. Now, Tony Khan walked in as, hey, my dad, he owns the Jacksonville Jaguars. This kid's worth a lot of money. Oh, he's one of us, man. He loves professional wrestling and we're tired of the WWE and he's going to give us something different. Yeah, we love Tony Khan. And now as you see him and his personality, and and again, for a long time, he was given grace because of what he did. And now it's just this tiresome thing. Everybody's going after him. Oh, wait, He's taking care of his boys. All of them are going after him, and they're still contracting. He needs to hire more people. He's over his head. You know, when Hornet when or, or, you know, Eric Bischoff says it, oh, well, you know, it's sour grapes on there. You know, they made the same mistakes. Yeah, Eric Bischoff made a ton of mistakes, and he admitted it. Now, do you want to learn from people's mistakes? Because you're, you know, is Eric Bischoff saying what he's saying because he wants AEW to succeed? He wants a hundred other guys to be able to make a living in professional wrestling when you don't even have to fucking show up for work except once every five months. You know, that, that, that's a great thing for a lot of people that I'm friendly with, yeah. that they're being taken care of and they wrestle on the side only because they want to because right. they love it you know and now tony khan has become the figure that you see with elon musk you know for the people and after a while you know things are being said that is the arrogance of money that turns a lot of people off and then he becomes it becomes the polar opposite when you were rooting for that guy because you know, Mark Cuban's in the same situation where he's starting to get a little of the backlash because of the crypto. But yeah. Mark Cuban always seemed like this rich guy who was for the people, with the people. So Mark Cuban is a guy who is far more liked than despised. But, right. you know, from when that was here, now maybe it's here. And, you know, everybody's going to turn on you at one point because, again, no matter what it is, everybody's not going to be happy as for wrestling. You know, you're not getting what you want. What do you do? 2022, you go on fucking Twitter and you complain about it. You know, who cares that you make your boss look bad? I got a contract, you know, in my contract. Does it say, if I say derogatory things toward the company, or if I leak stuff that shouldn't be leaked, is there repercussions? I would think in WWE that in certain situations there has been. Yeah. Where people you know were miserable fucks and they had issues and they shut the fuck up. Because they felt, you know what? It wasn't a great experience. But I don't want to not have that possibility down the line in a different situation. So I'm not going to look to burn a bridge. Right. Right and in aew a lot of these guys seem to be like oh well i'm making my money when my contract's up fuck it i'll just leave you know maybe i've made enough money in aew that i feel secure enough that if i don't have that job anymore me and my family are going to live comfortably and you know i could command money you know, there's a big difference in the rates of a lot of guys these days. You know, with AEW and WWE, you know, I, I, I've seen it in especially with the bigger name guys. Guys yeah. that you get for one price are now, you know, are double, sometimes triple. And it's like, holy shit, you worked for me for this. Well, you know, bah, 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 bah. and and now we're at here. And again, everybody has decisions. But the decisions are when we were running IWF in 2014 and using all these guys on the the fringe, the Rich Swans, the Ricochets before they were household names, they worked for this number. And they weren't booked that often. Now they work for this number and they're booked far more because there's far more companies, fly-by-night companies, established companies. There's just far more wrestling shows throughout the United States every single weekend compared to when it was in the past. You know, in the past, you might have one decent name on there and the rest were just localized guys. And if they drew, they drew. If they didn't, they didn't. Now you can go on a show and you're like, how the fuck is it humanly possible? Like our Mecca is a special event that we'll run, you know, maybe twice a year. And then bring in a couple of people here and there, you know, a few other times. You know, we're lucky that Hammerstone and Bay are big-name guys that are localized. But, you know, I can't do a show bringing in Davy Richards and TJ and Hammerstone and Bay and Trey Miguel and all of Sammy Callahan's guys every single month. Because the fans will get tired of seeing it. They want to see fresh faces. They want to see new things, you know. So in some ways aew has been fantastic yeah. for you know independent wrestlers you know being another avenue where you can work those shows but still work mine where in the past you know when you got signed to wwe you were done in most cases ring of honor locked you up now right. between impact and, and all these other companies everybody can work everywhere so if i'm making big money going to japan I don't really need to work coming to the United States. So if I'm just say a five hundred dollar guy, eh, big deal, five hundred bucks. Oh, my price is fifteen hundred. Okay, I'll do it for twelve. Then it's worth it to go out of the house. You know, right. I remember dealing with. Uh, you know, we'd use uh, Chris Saban, and we're talking at that time, Rich Swan and Rick and uh, Ricochet, You know, the inner city machine guns against the motor city machine guns. And Alex Shelley was with, I believe, uh, Kashida, the time travelers or whatever they were called, time splitters in Japan. And obviously, Alex Shelley was making a lot of money. And he came in with a number that was way higher than Chris Saban. You know what I mean? And it was just like he didn't want to roll out of the house unless it was like, all right, make it worthwhile for me. I don't really need to do it. Right. And it more power to him. You know, I made the choice not to use it. Well, there's other promoters who made the choice to pay a guy, you know, three times what you could have paid him six months ago. Right. You know, everything's a choice.
1: Um, and before we get to uh, the FSW high-octane show that happened this weekend. Oh, was there a show this weekend? I, I, I think everything so.
0: going on? I forgot.
1: Um, but there, there was one other big thing. And like I said, Saturday we had – the uh the showdown at the castle in cardiff uh and almost like
0: an fsw show
1: right like the main event was uh, you know uh I, all that was missing was max dupree running in to the main event as well so um what do you think about how they're setting kevin up uh you know across i thought him and scarlet it just it just fit so perfectly to have them in the audience and to to use such a subtle distraction method of throwing a bottle, like you, you're you not overusing the guy, which I feel is, is a strength for, for Cross. Do you feel the same way in, in terms of what you're seeing them kind of start to lay out for where he's moving, whether it be Drew or Roman or – you know, maybe even Braun Strowman, now that he's back as well. you got all these bigger guys now. Well,
0: well uh, Cro- uh, Braun Strowman, obviously, he's going to be on Raw. That that was what was leaked, and that what seems like the thing. My thing is, everything has been set up, to me at least, for Cross to go after Drew McIntyre. And, you know, it was, it was nice, the little uh, TikTok note for Roman Reigns, which is – to me, on the horizon. But Sepha comes out and legitimately costs Drew McIntyre the match. How could Drew McIntyre not go after anybody other than Sepha? Right. Which then leaves Cross. Are we going to directly send him after Roman Reigns instead of giving him what I feel would be like, okay, you've made the decision. Roman Reigns is beating Drew McIntyre. Drew's not getting the belt. Next up is cross. Well, are you going to throw cross right into the mix and lose to Roman Reigns? Or is the plan for cross to beat Roman Reigns? Well, if the, if the, the trajectory is for cross to beat Roman Reigns, wouldn't we want to have cross be cons, you know, delivered as a monster for a few months to where, okay, Instead of at the next pay per view, it's Cross versus Reigns, and he wins out of nowhere. Right, I'm not sure you've given him the proper buildup. If you bring him in to lose, where do you go from there? Right, you know what I mean. And it's like at least with Drew and Cross, these are two big men in hard fought battle, and Cross goes over. Now people buy into him being the number one contender you know we go on facebook all day and kevin cross is the biggest deal but that's because of the vegas connection right. to the fs to the wwe universe he's the guy that the last time they saw him he looked like a goof and lost to jeff hardy all he's done is beaten drew gulak and now he's going to be the number one contender hey the guy seems interesting but i don't know enough about him you know, I love Matt Riddle, but look how long it's taken him to actually have gotten a match and lose. You, okay. you know what I mean? And it's like I don't think it benefits Cross to just throw him in the main event and win or lose. You know, I I, I think there should be some momentum going into it. You know, I well, personally think you slow play him and have him win the Rumble, but that's me.
1: Do, um, Do you see the possibility, because what I'm kind of – What I'm kind of seeing is so with with interfering, that gives Drew the steam to still be pissed at the dynasty. Right. So, you know, it, it wasn't the Usos. It was the little brother. And you can see that promo happening. But as that's happening. Drew is still being targeted by Cross. So I think we are going to get Drew versus Cross for a little bit. Um, and, and know, I that, but, but, it but it convolutes everything. Like, why
0: wouldn't Drew want to go after the guy? You know, him and Cross had a little uh, tete-a-tete, I guess you could say. But nothing that Cross did affected anything in the match. This guy cost me the heavyweight championship. That shouldn't be first preference. And secondly, I thought it was cute. It was fun. It was nice with the Fury thing at the end. But it just seems like, you know, Drew McIntyre just lost the biggest match of his career. Couldn't we do that after they went off the air? You know, it just seemed like Drew McIntyre, after it was all said and done, I put in a good effort. I'm not going to keep my head down low but I'm not sure if that moment was necessary because the fans at home are kind of like, why the fuck is Tyson Fury singing American pie? You know what I mean? I'm like, okay, this is kind of weird. Sounded pretty good though. You know, and his and his shot on uh theory was awesome. You yeah. know, I, I was kind of wondering, I'm like, why is theory going by the, uh, the guardrail area? You know what I mean? It was like, that seems kind of weird. You're going to cash in there. And then obviously that was the reason why. And, it, and, and it, the shot was perfect, you know? Yeah. And it was like, it was a perfect setup for him not to cash in at that situation, you know? But when I saw the hood, I was thinking it was probably Sammy Zayn, And I was like, Oh, fuck, it's Sepha. How cool yeah. is that? You know?
1: Yeah. Cause I'm like,
0: Hey, you know, I'm, I'm screaming for the wife. Hey, look, it's Kevin you know, and, 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 Kevin's out there and it's like, Oh shit, look who's here its Sepha So, but yeah. So in that situation, it's like, and, and by the way, uh, the big brother Russo's, uh, weren't allowed to fly. So, you know, I, I guess they, they better, maybe that's why they don't have so many of these big shows outside the country.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you know, big shows, uh, FSW High Octane. Uh, anyone who hasn't seen it, you can catch it on the FSW network for six ninety nine a month. You can uh, see the uh, the past shows and and upcoming high octanes and future shocks. Um, man, uh, the first and foremost that I, I wanted to get your uh, thoughts on is. Uh, Jacob Austin Young defeated Ricky Tenacious, Jordan Cruz, Devin Reno. Uh, and after that, uh, we kind of got the the split of Death Proof in, in what seems to be very amicable fashion, a very, uh, you know, rooting for each other to go to higher levels as singles wrestlers. For you what does this do now? Cause we always, you know, when we're talking about tag teams, death proof was a solid tag team. That was always slotted in same with uh, the, you know, the real money brothers always slotting in, you know, these were tag teams that you could always count on. And there was always a big, you know, then three, four, five deep of tag teams. Now you take, Uh, Both of those tag teams basically have now three out of the four guys, since Sugar Brown has not been seen yet, who are doing singles work. Wow. That, like, you've already got so much talent. Now how do you figure in these guys now as solo artists? And, you know, I mean, Jacob Ostion is doing some of the best, work of his career, Um, and then same with Cody. I mean, do, do these guys get opportunities over some of the other guys now that they've shifted from tag team into singles? How does this all fall into place from your perspective?
0: Well, ever since Death Proof lost the tag titles last year, those guys have been running their own their own thing they've gotten together on some occasions but if you look at jacob austin young i think he's had more singles matches than tag matches with cody over the last six eight months you know my favorite match so far of 2022 is him and davy richards in a singles match you know he had a really good singles match with jay vidal you know he's been in a couple scrambles you know so here's a guy who has been you know doing that you know he got booked for new japan strong doing a singles match he's booked this weekend coming up in a singles match you know cody worked la fights and he's been doing the the singles thing and you know he's had you know the opportunity he wrestled sharp the last time they were together it was in a ladder match where it's every man for himself so you know you could bitch and complain or cry all you want about how well you know cody did his own thing well the idea was to grab the case. And whether Cody or Jake grabbed the case, it would then be that guy's decision because you could cash in for any title. So if they wanted to go after the tag titles, then I guess they could. But they wrestled, you know, a couple months ago. They wrestled for the tag titles, and it didn't work out. And, you know, they, they've seen, and they're both former No Limits champions, and they've had single success. You know what? Maybe we're burnt out. You know, that that happens. They've been together on and off for nine years, you know. The fact of the matter is, Jacob Austin Young, you know, threw a fireball at Cody when, you know, to start the relationship. And then they ended up being in the following together, you know. And there were times where Cody and and Jake teamed up. And then we did a reunion thing where everything was kind of separate and Cody was doing the no limits and had the title. And, and and Jake had it, you know, right after Bryce had left. And the chemistry was there. So the, the idea was to put them together. And then, you know, they got the run. You know, well-deserved. You know, had good opportunities. You know, the last match they had together was against uh, that black label team that we did at the FSW Revolver Show. Right. Uh can't even think of their names right now. Uh, Kevin Koo is the one guy, right? Yeah. And, but they, they, you know, they were a renowned tag team, you know, independently right now. And no offense, but I think Death Proof is, is, is a much better team. Yeah. You know, but sometimes you get put in positions. They were lucky, you know. They they got to work MLW. They got to work different companies, major companies. And, unfortunately, for Death Proof, you know, I know they had a little bit of a run with some West Coast tag titles. I think West Coast Pro, one of of them's out there. But they decided, you know, Cody has an idea of what he wants to do. Jake has an idea of what he wants to do. You could see the first chink in the armor was last year when Cody was begging for the opportunity to, to work with Nick Gage. And when I got word it was a tag team, it was Funny Bone who stepped in to wrestle with Cody in that match because that was not Jacob Austin Young's forte. He did not have any interest whatsoever. And they were the tag champions to be in a match that ended up becoming what it did while Cody was 150% behind the idea of working With Nick Gage and A.J. Gray and Cody, who can wrestle with the best of you, you know, understood for this match to happen. It had to be pretty extreme rules, and he was more than happy. He wanted uh, a larger fan base because of GCW to see what he can do, and I would have to believe that that opportunity... Got him the opportunity from the GCW-owned LA fights, which is the first foot in the door to get into a GCW show. So right. that you know that's Cody's direction. While Jake's always been very big on the Japanese style, and you know he he's attend you know he's attended a few of the uh, New Japan Dojos, right? He, we had him wrestle Rocky because we had a good relationship with Rocky Romero back in the day. So he's fully aware of him and, you know, fork in the road, you know, Cody's going this way, Jake's going this way. Now, does that fork come back together down the line? Who knows? You know, but right now this is what both guys are looking to do. And, you know, yeah, is is it harder? Because now those are two new guys that I gotta put in singles matches. But I have incorporated it over the last six months, eight right. months in a lot of occasions. There were some shows Cody made and there were some shows Jake made and vice versa where they did it. You know, Jacob worked on uh on on the show Sunday and uh Cody just you know felt it's time to take a breather and, and you know, let people know what's going on. You know, Cody's always been an open book in that situation where sometimes, uh, you know, everyone can see his emotions, good or bad.
1: Um, And, you know, looking at uh, some of the other big big highlights, uh, you had a lights camera faction versus – Sky High and and Bodie. And could we possibly be seeing uh, down the line a Bodie versus Ice Williams uh, match? Because that is
0: possible. But I am going to spoiler alert you. The first match signed for October 8th at high octane, moment of truth, it will be. The young prodigy, Bodie, going one-on-one with the cash-in-the-case holder, Braxton, in uh, uh, a lumberjack match.
1: <laughs> oh, man, a lumberjack match. Nice. And is it, uh, and you're going to have the faction out there anyway,
0: so why shouldn't, uh, you know, Bodie might have the whole kids' class out there ready to rock and roll.
1: Um, man, that that's impressive. I, I love that matchup. Um, yeah, and he's, Braxton's been on fire. And that case is, you know, obviously the case cost uh, Bodie the pin on this one. Um,
0: you know, I, I tried to get the, uh, the case on the line, but uh, very smartly, Braxton refused. There's no need to do that. If he does, if he gets baited into it, he's a bigger idiot than I thought. And you know how have an idiot I think he is. <laughs>
1: um, so we got that we're looking forward to now, high octane, October 8th. Um, and what's what, what are you calling this high octane? What is it? The moment of truth. The moment of truth. Uh, and that's essentially the high octane before you're still looking. It looks like a mecca coming up in October, right?
0: Yeah, I've been on the phone talking to some, uh, you know, past people who have appeared on the Meccas, you know, big name guys. You know, we're, we're looking to have representatives of MLW, obviously with Hammerstone, that's no secret, Impact, which would be a Chris Bay, of course, but the NWA, uh, we have signed a AEW superstar we have a Ring of Honor superstar. Mm. We are talking with a few other former Ring of Honor guys that are also working in Impact. Impact will be in Vegas the twenty first and twenty second. So right. you know we have a potpourri of talent. You know you have the Honor No More crew, so the combination Ring of Honor. Then you, then you got you know guys like. Sammy and Trey Miguel and Ace Austin and, and that whole Impact crew, that they're all going to be here. So, you know, we're going to pick, you know, who we feel. You know, obviously, uh, you know, our champions are going to be uh, expected to be on the show. Uh, right. It's no no secret that once again... Ah, uh, the Mecca Grand Championship uh, has has no uh, has
1: no home. So wait, let me ask you on that because obviously Cross won the Mecca Championship, and obviously now he's in WWE. So like you said, no home. But there is a Mecca champion out there who, you know, was a former Mecca champion. Uh, I don't know if he technically lost the belt, and that's. Uh, John Morrison. Can we see Mr. Morrison back? Uh,
0: John Morrison? Absolutely not. Now, Johnny Mecca on that, that, that part, you know, it's definitely a possibility. Uh, actually, I, I was going to message Kevin on, uh, you know, Saturday, but I kind of thought he might be a little busy. You know, when I saw him at ringside, I was going to message him like, hey, about that Mecca belt, you know, if you could send it back. You know, it'd be kind of funny to see all of a sudden he's arguing with Drew, and then he looks at his phone. You know what I mean? <laughs> that that would that would have been me, even though I guarantee you the phone wasn't around. So. But yeah, so you know, we're we're hoping Kevin can uh, you know at least acknowledge things and maybe uh, you know officially give it up at the Mecca via satellite, of course, but. Yeah, we're, gonna, we're figuring out, you know, what we're going to do. You know, there is a 90, I'm going to say 90, not a 99%, but a 90% chance that we will be crowning a new Mecca Grand Champion. And we will announce it before the show, not like we did with uh, Fatou and Cross, because we didn't expect them to be going back to WWE so soon. Right. so we figured hey this is a good time to crown a champion two two big boys you know a monster matchup and we got what we wanted and then uh we sent the belt out to kevin he he used it for photo opportunities at rick Flair's last show was right. excited and all of a sudden it was like oh i guess i know now whether you're going to be on our mecca show or not you know <laughs> Which would have been nice, like I said. I have the Mecca Grand Championship, brother Roman Reigns title versus title. But then I woke up. So,
1: well, technically, could you not? Could you not put in and try to get Cross to defend that title against Cepha? I mean, it would be in branding, right?
0: It, w- it would be. Yeah, you know, it's like you know, Triple H is seemingly uh, a lot more open to to things like that. You know, I think Kevin being as well liked he is with Triple H, maybe he can make the pitch for me.
1: Um, and one of the big uh, one of the big big things that happened is Chris Bay came back, and he wasn't there just to uh, just to talk. You you said that last week that Chris had something up and it turns out that, uh, I guess he knows some higher ups in FSW and he got a title match against Greg Sharp.
0: Yeah. I can't believe Rocky T, uh, just gave him that opportunity like that. It's fucked up.
1: (laughs) And it was, it was a solid match until Damian Drake, who, you know, the last time we saw him, he got jumped by, uh, Greg Sharp, and couldn't make the uh, match he was scheduled to have for the Nevada State Championship. He gets involved, and there's a DQ, and uh, Greg Sharp ends up, you know, winning because uh, Damian Drake came out and uh, got Chris Bay DQ'd. Well,
0: what I got to say is, thank goodness Damian Drake thought the show was at 5 o'clock. Because that might have happened during the promo segment between the two. And we would have never gotten to see any of the match. It's like, I don't know if there's footage, but like Damian Drake's driving up like, what the fuck's going on? What do you mean Greg Sharp and Chris Bay is in there? Boom. He went right in. No hesitation.
1: Uh. You know, is it true that he thought he was actually going to come in for the uh, the all out uh, pay per view viewing? Right? Yeah, he was he was going to
0: host the uh, he was going to dress up like the young bucks and he was going to be he was going to be the third buck (laughs) or maybe the fourth because Malachi used to be the third buck.
1: Uh, so is this a potential idea maybe for something like a Mecca is, is that an opportunity that, you know, is big enough for, uh, Chris Bay, not having ever won the Nevada state title, Greg Sharp, bigger stage to defend that title on and Damian Drake, who's been involved in, you know, many of the memorable matches and title matches in the last four or five years. Um, does that make sense if this pans out to, you know, be something on, on that scale? Or is that something you hold for, uh, you know, the last uh, show of the year? Um, how, how do you look at that when you have three guys who are ready to go like that?
0: Well, I'm going to give a spoiler alert to everybody uh the scenario we were looking at obviously after this would be a triple threat match but to do a triple threat match at the mecca when the mecca grand championship is vacant you know i've had many discussions and chris bay was a guy who lost out to johnny mecca and brian cage in the finals Of the Mecca, the first Mecca Grand Championship tournament. And Chris Bay has been, you know, biting at the bit for that opportunity. So, here's the scenario. Well, if we crown a Mecca Grand Champion, however we do it, I'm pretty certain Chris Bay is going to be a part of it. If we don't, then I'm pretty certain Chris Bay would probably be involved in the nevada state because he's never won the mecca title either so you know right. he's looking for belts he just won a belt uh, in california the night before uh our good buddies uh, marcus mack over at the apw you yeah. know run a great show and chris bay you know he wants to represent but you know i also got to worry about the uh, the mecca grand championship jinx you become the champion, and before you get to defend it, you get signed by WWE. You know there's a lot of rumors about Chris Bay's contract uh, coming up, as he has yep. made you know light of. I am afraid that if I make him or he wins the Mecca Grand Championship, it's going to be another bright light boom, since WWE likes to steal our guys. You know, word got leaked that, you know, Sefa Fatou was in line to possibly become the heavyweight champion. And they're like, no, we know if he wins the FSW title, he's not coming to the Fed. So we got to get him in before he wins that title. So, you know, everybody knows the value of being a champion in FSW.
1: Well, but doesn't that raise the stakes for every single wrestler back there to want to Win that Mecca championship! It sure should. <laughs> I, I would assume it. the Suavecitos haven't hit you up yet, have they?
0: Uh, Is Danny, they may uh, have, I probably didn't answer that message. You uh, know, they, uh, they were, they were, uh, they were busy at uh, Chavo Guerrero's uh, daughter's Quinceyera. Uh <laughs> Danny was the piñata, so he was kind of busy this week.
1: Um, and finally, a match that, of course, I think stuck out to me as something really, you know, again, special um, was Gatson and, and Matt Vandegrift. Um, what did you think of of what they did? They did exactly
0: what I expected them to do, to go out there and have the best match of the night. Uh, Gatson is, is so underappreciated, yep. you know. He he's been in the business for so long. He is so easy to deal with, even especially with the younger guys, you know, very ready, willing, and able to do whatever's needed. You know, the first thing he'll say to me every time I see him is, Hey Joe, what do you need from me tonight? And he is whether he's gonna win, whether he's losing. It doesn't matter. He's going to give that same effort, you know, and the match was back and forth. And Matt Vandegrift, he is so deserving of being the No Limits champion. It was like when you knew it was Jay Vidal's time, you knew it was his was his time. And Matt Vandegrift, you know, the conflict was how often are we going to have him? Decided to make a move. And then uh, eventually he decided that uh, hanging with Papa Joe was uh, the the best place for him to be. And once we got that commitment from him, it was an easy decision to, if we're going to move the belt, who is going to be that guy? You know, he, he narrowly lost out as Wrestler of the Year to Jay Vidal. Well, I think he solidified a good chance of winning it this year by beating Jay Bidal two different times for the title and a third time to run him out of the company. So, yeah. you know, that also goes along with the, some of the other matches, you know, that he has had throughout the year. So Matt Vandergriff is in, in a great position. Want to have uh, a fantastic match for him at, at the Mecca. You know, when we did the Revolver show, you know, he, he had some good stuff. Uh, I, I would have liked to seen a little more of him in that match with Mike Bailey. I, sure. I just felt that uh, he didn't get to showcase in front of a much bigger audience how good he really is. And, you know, many people feel, you know, it's it's kind of a dead heat. Uh, Jay Vidal yeah. getting a lot of love everywhere he goes, Matt Vandegrift. And it's like, you know, he's got a little taste of AAA. Jay Vidal's got a little taste of impact. You know, as we will be very shortly debuting the Solo Sokoa uh, Hall of – Wall of Fame banner at the FSW Arena, Uh, it would be sure nice to have the addition of a Jay Vidal or Matt Givandegrift on there.
1: Yeah. Um, That's, you know (laughs) – you know the the wall is going to be it's just going to be filling up a lot quicker than uh yeah we're you know. trying
0: to maneuver we're figuring out on the fsw wall that we might have to put some stuff there might have to take some people off for a little while because you know the wall of fame is really based on the homegrown talent that got signed but A Brian Cage and a, you know, Eli Drake, L.A. Knight, Max Dupree, Sean Ricker, Slate Randall, Uh, you know, he was a guy who was with us from 2009 for an extremely long period. You know, we consider that he is an FSW guy. Hammerstone, you know, we have the banner ready to go, you know. It's just hard because it's like, okay, he's the current champion. But then again, like Chris Bay, he still wrestles for us. And right. he's deserving of it. So we'll probably do a double shot with Hammerstone and 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 Sefa because yeah. they are deserving of it. And then, you know, let the chips fall. You know, hopefully, you know, more names down the line uh, come out of the FSW training school. Kenny King deserves a banner up there you yeah. know but you know we didn't train Kenny and his main you know success is ring of honor and he had that you know way before you know he became part of FSW so it's kind of there there's there's reasons why he should and there's reasons why he shouldn't you know yeah
1: yeah and it's the one thing i think that is cool about the law that is it's a motivator it should be a motivator for younger wrestlers for students in class for guys you know who walk through the curtain and you get in the ring and you know you look to your left hand side and you see that wall and you see those banners you should be trying to live up to getting onto that wall essentially it, it gives you something to work hard towards because that means that you've progressed your career outside of us, FSW to a major level. And that's something that is just such a cool motivator and also for fans to come in and to see, you know, all these past faces, right? Because some of our
0: fans are, are three years old, six years old, you know, they're not aware of mm-hmm. what Max Dupree when they see him on TV and have no knowledge of who he was that he was a two-time FSW heavyweight champion. Brian Cage beat Matt Hardy in a TLC match in one of the most attended shows we've ever done, you know, back in the day. And Gregory Sharp included it in his promo, and he said it best. You know, every time I walk into this arena, I have to see Chris Bay looking down on me. And, again, as we talked about the motivation of Gregory Sharp, starting with us, In 2010 and 2011, you know, seeing these guys and feeling like, what about me? You know, here's a guy who didn't just stick around in Vegas. You know, that was that's what's been crazy about the ride of Gregory Sharp. Like, hey, I'm going to Korea this week. Hey, I'm going to Ireland. Hey, I'm going over here. Hey, I'm going over there. You know, he has probably put in more miles traveling. You know, he was part of the China crew. If you yeah. take out China, Gregory Sharp, I guarantee you, wrestled more miles around the world than anybody in FSW history. You yeah. know? But despite that, he hasn't gotten himself in that main spot. And that's why it's kind of. We talked in the past about guys like Tito, who they liked so much. He wasn't supposed to be back there already. He's already back there, and he wrestled Suzuki the other day. Yeah. Oh, you know, Ryan Taylor, you know, the guy's been in the business since 2007 or eight. You know, it took him 10, 11, 12 years to get seen. Gregory Sharp, after everything he has said and done, he is wrestling in Vegas at Sam's Town at the New Japan Show. So, yeah. all that hard work paid off. And the fact of the matter is, Gregory Sharp is still not 30 years old. Yeah. You know, he looks 55, but he's only been in the business 10 years and he started at like 18, 19. He came to us, he was 19, and he already had been training at yeah. uh, Jesse Hernandez's school before he moved to Vegas. So, he might have been 17 or 18.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's it's quite a story, and it's, it's great, again, that motivation factor is undeniable, and it's, it's something that I think that is a little bit unique to FSW because of the fact that there have been so many successes that have come out of FSW that that idea that you're looking at a wall and you're being looked down upon you just you shoot for it and i think that you're seeing what happens when a guy like greg sharp puts his mind to it puts everything into it and is not going to lay down anymore and a lot of guys seem to be stepping up towards that type of momentum that type of look at me man i can do this i can be the next one so it's it's fabulous to see right now um what is the next do you have a future shock planned is that correct
0: yeah, that's coming up. Uh, Future Shock on Saturday, September seventeenth. Uh, we're gonna do a six p.m. start time, a little earlier. Uh, that way, people get out of there. Usually, Future Shocks are done in no more than an hour and forty-five minutes to two hours. That's the plan. Uh, we got a lot of a lot of younger guys who who feel they're ready, and our trainers believe that they're deserve an opportunity. And we hope they don't shit the bed, obviously, you know. Uh, but we're trying to incorporate the young guys mixed in with other younger guys who, who have become part of the roster. So we're kind of putting together, you know, there's probably going to be at least two or three debuts uh, mm-hmm. on the show. Uh, one in the women's division and one in the men's division. It, it's technically – a uh debut uh but the gentleman wrestled for us a while back and actually went to china for a little while uh came back got injured and stayed away for a long time and now he's made his return and you know he's eager to to get to get reacquainted you know and and also a guy that we talked about uh, i believe last week cold hearted Corey phillips he is uh he's been back he was at the show He's been there for about two weeks now and, you know, everything seemed to be going good. You know, like uh, hopefully down the line, you know, we, we could get him a match.
1: Nice. Nice. Um, That's exciting to hear. So definitely check that out uh, coming up uh, on the, uh, the 17th Uh, again, it's a Saturday 6 PM. And uh, if you subscribe to the FSW network, 699 a month, uh you can see that future shock and um also if you subscribe to the network you're not um you're not in a contract so you know if you just want to check out a few shows or you want to go back and look at some matches that you know might have had uh carrying cross or solo sequoia or uh you know uh zoe stark um uh, you can go back and see these matches on the network. Uh, any final words, Joe, as we uh, wrap up this week,
0: I'll tell you what, the world of professional ra- wrestling is just uh, crazier and crazier. You know, I used to just think it was what I was dealing with at FSW. Well, let me tell you, it is all over the place. You know, another thing, it, uh, Sammy Guevara, that was despicable. What, what he did, you know, she, I understand it's an accident dropping, you know, getting dropped on your head. And 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 I guarantee you he he wasn't, you know, hoping for that result. But it was so careless on the way. It was like he had a bag of laundry and he was just tossing it to the side. Like he never even looked, never paid attention, just kind of like didn't seem to uh, care one way or the other. And, you know, I posted that on the student page yesterday and it was like. You know, this is one way not to protect your opponents. That is like the number one thing that we instill on, you know, the newer students. You know, I always say when we have new people here, you know, we move along a lot quicker for the beginners because of being in Vegas and everybody's got weird schedules. So you get incorporated in more stuff sooner than you normally might. And it's like, hey, do not worry if you feel... This is something that you shouldn't do or capable of doing. Don't fucking do it. Nobody's going to be like, oh, you're a pussy. Oh, what the fuck? You know, you want to be a pro wrestler and you're not going to, you know, hit a Canadian destroyer with somebody perched on the top rope in your third week. You know, it's like. You got to understand your limitations and You know, just as much as we want you to protect yourself, you're you're number two protecting yourself. Protecting your opponent is number one. The person that you are in the ring with. You know, we've seen the best wrestlers in the world get recently in Japan paralyzed. Yeah. You know, WWE, you know, look at Big E. You yeah. know, it's on the outside on on a pad that has some forgiveness a lot of times on indie shows you're doing shit like that and it's on fucking concrete yeah you know it's worth you know not dying over it's supposed to be fun and enjoyable and i get it you know there's there are insane risks that are in there but do your best to be protective of everything you're doing even if you're going to do high risk stuff, which many people do be good enough to do.
1: (laughs) Yeah, no, that's, that can't be emphasized enough. And I know, you know, 20 some odd years ago, UPW, it it was the same thing. You're all brothers and sisters. um, And uh, you have to protect yourself second and your, your partner first. And, And another thing we're learning is,
0: which doesn't shock me, but it seems like way more wrestling people do not like each other more than I thought. You know, you know, you could just see the things that are said on the major league level, talking to people, you know, regardless of the business, it is extremely competitive. You know, when six young guys are vying are for three spots, there's three people who aren't going to get it. And sometimes one of those three people just think they deserve it over another person. And animosity builds. But remember, you know, it, it's always good to incorporate storylines and things like that. But you need to be careful. You need to be safe. You know, things are said and done for for a reason, you know. If you're going to be in there with somebody you don't care for personally, you know, too bad. If you want to be a professional wrestler, you're not going to get that choice. So if you can't go in there and be a professional or you can't handle wrestling somebody that you have an issue with, well, then there's a good chance that you're not going to progress very far because, yeah, you, you may have been in a fight with a guy and I might not use you on a show, but if you guys both show up to some other company and they put you in a match, they could give fucking two fucks yeah. of the personal issues that you two have, you know, and, you know, it, it it's a tough business. You know, look at guys making million dollars, you know, a year, millions of dollars a year, squawking back and forth, press conferences, fights. You know, at least back in the day, Bret Hart had every right to hit Vince McMahon. You know, they did the screw job. But you can look at it the other way. Well, Bret Hart was leaving the company. I I don't give a fuck you don't like Shawn Michaels. Your job is to fucking put over Shawn Michaels. He's our champ. Too fucking bad. But he had creative control. So he can say, eh, I don't think so. I'll lose (laughs) to Ken Shamrock.
1: Yeah. Well, I hope that, uh, you know, everyone listening this week kind of got, uh, a nice little taste of, uh, you know, just that perspective of, um, of Joe as an owner and, and a promoter and a booker and what he's, uh, observed, uh, recently from, uh, you know, the outside looking in at a situation that everyone's talking about. And, um, uh, it's going to be fascinating to see where this goes, uh, and boy, if it is—if it's all work, in the end, kudos! You're the greatest, you know, actors and performers and writers in the history of the business, and uh, you know, you. I personally
0: hope it isn't a work because I think if it is a work, it's one of the most tasteless things ever done exactly i I just don't see the upside of people being excited yeah like i get it people want to see that there's really a reason for them to fight and oh one one of the bucks got knocked out one of the bucks has got a a black eye uh a Steele is lucky he's not in jail and it's like if it went down the way it did how is he not
1: well and that's another fascinating thing because uh, There was this thing I read today that no one is making statements about it yet because there could be police investigation going on.
0: Well, yeah, you know, and Tony Khan, and he'll tell you he's got a lot of money. He can he could set up any angle how he wants money talks. But the thing that you had mentioned earlier uh, that you had read, I have not seen that anywhere. It was kind of similar to uh, using the AEW logo and announcing that uh, Adam uh, Adam Page has left the company. You know, now all the, uh, the 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 keyboard warriors are coming out trying to fool people into believing certain things may have happened uh, that didn't.
1: Yeah, which is going to be something that's again, it's going to be fascinating to see how much bullshit and how much truth are going to be thrown out there by everyone and anyone. And uh, I guess uh, the, o- the only way we know what's going on is by uh, just dropping some uh, messages to the people that we know and trust closest in that company and, uh, you know. and Yeah, and-
0: I'm pretty sure if I sent hey, Steele a message, he wouldn't respond, you know. But, hey, Sanjay, how you doing? I just wanted to say hi because it's been a long time. Hey, by the way, <laughs> what I could do is, I could I could work my guy Sean Davari, who's friends with Sanjay, and say, "Hey, Sean, how's it going? I talked to certain people that are friends of yours. Hey, by the way, what happened in AEW? Have you heard anything
1: from Sanjay? You know, from Sanjay, we just go straight to the source because his brother's there.
0: Well, so is Sanjay,
1: I know. So you got you got a couple. I don't uh, know 30- Ari,
0: so he was. He was supposed to come by the school because he lives in Vegas now, too. But yeah. it's like, you know, if I can backdoor it through Sean, you know what I mean? Like, have a casual conversation. Then maybe it leads into it and lets something slip.
1: Well, you know what? Maybe maybe we need to get uh, Mr. Davari on next week's show and we can see if we can milk him.
0: Well, it'd he, he, have to be like a uh, Maury Povich segment where the voice was deepened and the face was blackened out because, you know, he he, he couldn't say, hey, this is WWE's Shawn (laughs) DeVar. So, you know, thankfully we can erase all the footage of that. That way he wouldn't get in trouble. But I'm going to hit him up and see if he wants to do a voice-altered, faceless uh, promo appearance next week.
1: Well, there you go. Uh, If uh, someone does show up and it's voice (laughs) it's voice altered and faceless. It's not, it's not Davari by no that's means. That's right. We'll just call him Muhammad Hassan, that's all. <laughs> Alright everyone, thank you for tuning in this week and until next time...